CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. As always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag leadership. Today's topic is building a candid organization. And our guests for today's show are Frank Wander, who's the author and former CIO and the founder of IT Excellence Institute. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sanjo. Things are great. Thank you very much. Thank, uh, thanks for uh, joining us here. And we also have Dr. Rick Ruth, who's the director of the Institute for CIO Excellence and the senior business informatics faculty member at the University of South Carolina. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you once again. And uh, so as, as far as the topic goes, what we found is many businesses are constantly juggling uh, a lot of priorities. So it's important that we take decisions quickly. But too often, these uh, decisions just come from the top down, and critical people lower on the totem pole aren't often heard or don't voice their concerns and thoughts. So we wanted to address that and ask about how we might build a more candid organization. So, Frank, the first question here is that why uh, there are challenges with people talking candidly uh, and it is for some people, and, and it also it spans from uh, somebody being a leader at an organization or an employee. And do you think this is happening because they have an inherent DNA issue, or do you think it is stemming from the workplace setting? My experience is that both factors come into play. Uh, clearly, if you want to build a high-performing organization where people can speak candidly, that is an outcome of the cultural design that you put in place. It's very much driven by the shared values and the tone at the top of the leadership. Um, at the end of the day, if you create an environment where it's safe to speak up, where the culture is inclusive, where you know being candid is actually rewarded, I think you can achieve candor over time. At the same time, however, individuals are both introverted and extroverted, and some individuals you've really got to draw out. So part of the role of the leader is to understand as much as possible, you know, who's contributing, who's not, and try to draw out the people that aren't contributing, because oftentimes they have some of the best ideas to contribute. What have you seen, uh, Rick, in terms of the different flavors of the level of candor that exists in an organization and or within people? Do you think the same person would be candid at one instance and not be at another? Um, Rick? <clears throat> yes. I certainly we see that. I I think a lot of it has to do with the environment that is set by the senior leadership. Uh, if if the environment allows for people to be vulnerable and put themselves at risk in order to be candid uh, without being uh, without getting negative consequences for that, then I think that you will uh, do a lot more to encourage. Um, candid feedback uh, and candid discussion. Um, I, I believe that that sometimes is threatening uh, to senior leadership, and when senior leadership is projecting that, usually they're not intending to project it, but it comes across loud and clear uh, to subordinates in the organization, then people tend to be less candid. Uh, 
So I, I really believe it's driven more by the the uh, the attitude, perspective, courage of senior leadership. So, Frank, I have a son and a daughter, and they would save each other by not telling what the other person did. And that is team sport, right? Do you think that should be seen negatively? Well, you know, this comes down to whether or not everybody's participating in a dialogue, feels comfortable participating in a dialogue. And, in fact, if you have a group of people who are really unwilling to speak up collectively, uh, most likely you have a culture where, in fact, there's been a lot of antisocial leadership behaviors, threats, public embarrassment, humiliation, criticism. You know, they might very well decide in that case that, uh, you know, we'll just cover this up rather than deal with those emotional consequences or the emotional aggression that uh, they would get from a leader who is more bullying and ostracizing. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, most cultures still um, are, are a product of the design that grew out of the industrial era where people are interchangeable parts. And in environments where humans are interchangeable parts, then actually it's very easy for leaders to focus on their needs, not the needs of others. And those environments tend to become toxic to, um, you know, the, the productivity that's, that's driven cognitively. Um, and those are cultures that are toxic where, in fact, there's a very, very low degree of social cohesion, uh, which impacts collaboration, trust, and everything else in the organization. So I think there are a number of consequences, but it's most likely the culture and the way they've been treated as a group. So, uh, Rick, when you look at uh, the organization, and you did mention that leadership at the top could be responsible, but do you think they have, uh, would you say that's a reflection of their weakness or if they have taken a few decisions and they don't want anyone to challenge them, do you think by design anyways that leadership would be short-lived? Well, good leadership is not for the timid of heart. Um, Leader, uh, in order to be a good leader, you have to be willing to be vulnerable uh, in front of your subordinates. You have to be more committed to the vision of the organization than you are necessarily to your own welfare or your or the appearances, uh, how you appear to others. Um, and and um, good leaders are willing to take the hits, so to speak from the mistakes of their subordinates. So when you find a leader who is, uh, is violating any of those, then you're going to have an organization that tends to be closed and less candid because people are, um, they don't feel safe in, in being candid. Uh, and so it's, in my, in my opinion, in my experience, it is driven from the top. Um, you've, you've got to have a mature person of good character, uh, who's who's more interested, and Frank certainly implied this in one of his his responses. The, uh, a good leader has to be more interested in caring for the needs of his subordinates uh, than he is in necessarily looking good himself. Um, and and so it really, by my opinion, the how, how open an organization is is really a reflection of the character of the person at the top. So now let me challenge that. Uh, Frank, I'll come back to you for this, where you got two or three or five different people in a given team. Three out of those speak their mind uh, with the same leadership. 
And sometimes you could have such a leader also be the one who is insecure himself or herself and who's creating uh, that toxic environment where people are not supposed to speak their mind. But still, you find three people who do that and the other two don't. So can we truly just get away by saying, oh, leadership has to be responsible for it. If we fix that, that will fix the culture and or the people who are otherwise not speaking the truth or not being candid. They will start becoming candid. Here's uh, here's actually how it works. You know, I do turnaround transformations across corporations, and typically, when you get to a company that's failed, you have a very, very toxic environment that was unproductive. Uh, you start out by setting the right tone at the top, and it's not just what you say the values are. You've got to live the values because people don't actually do what you say. And you can look at all the psychology studies on this; it's well proven. They actually do what you do. So you've got to live those values and you have to model them. Then it gets down to ensuring those values have been instilled and embraced at every level because there are many levels to the organization. And, in fact, um, you can have pockets of corrosive behavior in the organization that over time you're going to have to either, um, you know, get the folks to embrace the new way of acting and behaving or you're going to have to make some leadership changes. Over time, you can get to the place where an organization does embrace and live the same values, and at that point, you can drive the organization to be inclusive and try to draw out people who are less likely or willing to contribute because of their psychological makeup. Um, there are introverts. There's people who are afraid to speak up based on you know the, the, how they were brought up. Uh, they may have been ostracized and blamed and told they were stupid their whole life, and in fact, you know now they've <clears throat> they've gotten in. Uh, a behavior pattern where it's difficult for them sometimes to speak up. So you want to encourage them and thank them for speaking up. And that's where social intelligence comes in on the part of leaders is to be able to see who these individuals are and draw them out and then reward people who come up with ideas. And over time, you can maximize the productivity and potential of the organization, but you ultimately can't really change these people, if you know what I mean. So, um, Rick, in your uh, view, and you might have spoken to quite a few organizations, whether they're CIOs or other types of leaders, do you think if you were to do a poll, would you say majority fall in that uh, characteristic or a majority of the leaders fall in that group where they are not as uh, scared, if you will, to become vulnerable in front of their subordinates and peers? Well, I see people across the whole spectrum, and hopefully um, everybody is in the process of improving. Uh, so where they're starting and how fast they're improving is all going to be different. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I believe that the farther along you are in developing good leadership skill, the more likely it will be that you will find opportunity to move into uh, senior leadership positions in the organization. So, Rick, if you were to go back and uh, try to uh, look at situations where a leader who otherwise would have been vulnerable and they, they kind of transform themselves to be uh, not vulnerable or basically be, be ready, be ready to go ahead and allow their team to uh, speak Candidly, what is it that that what, what did it take to ha get that transformation in themselves? Yeah, when I when I work with CIOs, um, what we're talking about is a long process. I mean, it takes months and sometimes years um, 
to equip um, a CIO uh, with the skills that they need uh, to, to function as fully vested um, members of the senior leadership team of the company. Uh, they, <clears throat> it, it takes modeling on my part it, uh, in, in my coaching relationships with them. It takes uh, challenging them uh, with uh, little tasks. You know, why don't you try this? Why don't you think about talking to this person this way? Um, I believe one powerful tool that equips somebody to accelerate their development in leadership is to learn how to be wise in asking really good questions. Um, a, a great leader is more a master of questions than he is of answers. Uh, and so, um, I'm one, I mean, one book that I would recommend is Power Questions uh, by Andrew Sobel and Gerald Panos. Um, the, the book has a lot of different chapters for a lot of different situations in the workplace. And um, learning, learning how to ask the right questions and then listening to the answers is a powerful tool uh, to open people up to be more communicative with each other. You know, I, uh, I 100% agree with what Rick is saying. Number one, going back to where he began, um, it takes years for leaders sometimes to transform themselves. If they have moved up and been successful using a set of, you know, behaviors and methods, um, and as they move up, those are less, uh, less likely to work, it is difficult for them to change what's worked for them. And it takes time and it takes that reinforcing success to actually uh, have them embrace a new set of, um, you know, behaviors that allow them to, to move up in the organization. And certainly, uh, you know, leaders are good at asking questions, not directing people on what to do, because quite frankly, in a big organization, there's hundreds of areas of specialization. It's a hyper-specialized business. You can't possibly know what these people know. So uh, making them great and drawing out the right answers is really where you've got to, to focus your time and energy. Let me build a minute on what Frank just said. Um, it's, I think it's particularly true in the IT world. Those of us who rise to senior positions in large IT departments have done so largely based on our technical abilities. By the time you get to the CIO level, uh, you get to be CIO not so much based on your technical abilities as um, your ability to be both a leader for the IT department and for the corporation and your, your ability to um, interact in a significant way in developing and executing the business strategy of the organization, not so much the technology strategy of the organization. And so there's a switch there. Um, you know, it's a catch-22 for those of us in the IT world. We get to the top because of one skill set, but we get to stay at the top and flourish because we've made a transition um, away from what got us successful in the first place. And therein is a fundamental and significant challenge that faces CIOs. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And then let's also look at the fact if someone is not being candid as one of your crew members or one of your lieutenants. One is that we can immediately say, oh, the person is afraid and because there's a toxic culture and they, they cannot talk their mind. Another is to look at are they motivated? 
do they have any better idea or they're just aiming to please so you are having a bunch of yes men around you so so it's not truly always that anything that doesn't happen it could have multiple symptoms you got to really be a doctor to be able to figure out whether it is because of lack of candor in an organization or there are these other factors that could be playing so how do you sift through these different uh, instances and what is causing a given behavioral pattern how do you go about it let's explore it when we come back please stay tuned The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Wait, is that your pager? There's nostalgic, and then there's completely irrelevant, like having a hardware-heavy business phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations in minutes and manage the entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that 20th century phone system out of your 21st century business. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. The switchboards and Rolodexes are gone, and so is the need for a hardware-heavy phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations with voice, text, conferencing, even Salesforce integration, and manage your entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that ancient phone system out of your modern office and off your bottom line. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Frank, a question is, we can always basically a, a, a standard diagnosis of, of someone not speaking uh, up and, and not being candid is directly attributed to uh, a culture, like the way we had been discussing. But it's very possible that the person is not motivated, just be aiming to please, or doesn't even have a good enough idea. And and so those are also other uh, possibilities. But why uh, a default uh, hunch is that there is some issue with the culture? The default when you come into an organization that's toxic is, in fact, that the toxicity is what is driving people to be quiet. When you remove that toxicity um, and you find that people still aren't being candid, then we get into the next layer down, which is personality type and you know, making, it, making them personally comfortable. And then below that, and this is what I believe you're talking about, is that whole issue of 
you know, are they really, are they motivated, engaged, are they in the right position? Uh, they may not be in the right position. I think, you know, in America we've done an absolutely horrible job of trying to match people to their underlying capabilities and aptitudes. <clears throat> so people get into roles that they're not well suited for. And you've got to really try to help those people along to get into a situation where they're in the right job, the job fit is good, you know, and they're finding meaning in the work and are therefore motivated, engaged, and much more eager to contribute because they feel comfortable about where they are and their role in the organization. So, Rick, fundamental question is why are we stressing the importance of being candid? Yes, we are doing this show, but why is candor even more important today? Well, an organization in which candor is the rule is going to make better decisions. Uh, the leaders will make better decisions because your subordinates will do a better job of keeping you from being blindsided uh, by both external landmines and, and internal landmines. Not that people are running around tattling on each other, um, but to open up the senior leader's eyes to what might be particular challenges or broken cogs in the wheels that need to be addressed um, that are otherwise holding the organization up. Um, and so a senior leader is going to have his eyes opened a lot better to those um, external and internal influences that might otherwise undermine decisions and direction that he would like to go. The uh, Another reason is um, in, an, in a an organization characterized by openness, uh, you're going to have more constructive and innovative perspectives and solutions that might not otherwise come to light because your your people are smart people. They are seeing things that you're not. A lot of times they are more in touch with the customer interface in the organization than senior leadership is. So they're hearing what the customers are saying and they are uh, they're coming up with ideas about how to address some of those issues. Not all of them are, you know, you want to take them and run with them, but you at least need to understand uh, where the challenges are and what some people think um, parts of the solution might look like. Um, in in an organization not characterized by openness, the leader's just flying blind. I mean, he's he's not seeing everything he needs to see, and he's going to be making making mistakes. Um, also, just from I mean, a, a selfish perspective on the part of the senior leader, uh, he's going to see or she's going to see better career growth um, because you'll be needing to hear what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Um, I mean, one of the problems of having an, an open and candid organization is a lot of times you hear things that are painful and difficult to swallow, but uh, if you're if you're not hearing those, then you can't properly address and respond to those, and that will end up stunting um, a senior leader's growth. So those those are just a couple of ideas that come to mind quickly uh, when I think about the value of having an open organization. I don't know, Frank. You probably may, you may want to add some things to that list. I would uh, I would add one thing, which is it really comes down to having candor at every level and every interaction as much as possible. If you take a, a project that's 100 person years of work, it starts off as a concept, as a little germ of an idea, and ultimately that idea has to be turned into reality. The first half of the project is going to define what that reality is, and that is defined through a process of debate that's taking place across these hundreds of people, 100 people, all of whom 
have individual areas of expertise, and they're contributing thoughts and ideas. The outcome that you achieve is a direct reflection of the culture that those folks had amongst one another across every one of these decision points. And there's thousands of them going on, thousands of discussions, decisions. The candor, you know, will affect all of those and allow you to achieve that great outcome because all of these, you know, decision points have been maximized given the talent you have. Now, don't you think, and this is for you, Rick, that it could be a problem that might have started when we were all very young because we were always socialized from the childhood to soften the bad news and not talk about awkward subjects and things of that nature. You never tell your mom that your cooking is bad or, of course, even worse, your wife that your cooking is bad. And, and, and don't tell your best friend that there is a, a problem on his wedding day that, you know, he doesn't look good in his suit. So it could start there, but it could become much worse when you're going into a business situation. And people who we are referring to as folks who are either not uh, motivated or they are just afraid could very well be the victim of that upbringing, if you will. And that's pervasive. It has happened with all of us. Yeah, I, when I said earlier that leadership is not for the timid, it's also not for the fools. Um, it's true that if if you are not wise about what you say and when you say it, you are putting yourself at unnecessary risk. And so there's a balance because if you if you say things inappropriately or to the wrong people at the wrong times. Um, you will get hurt, and we all have a lifetime of experiences uh, that back that up. But on the other hand, I mean, the other side of that coin is if you fail to say the appropriate thing at the appropriate time to the appropriate people, you will get hurt uh, because problems don't get addressed uh, and, and they don't get solved and, and, um, and things aren't going to get better. And so it requires uh, a wisdom that um, begets a sort of a balance in how we know when to be open and in what ways. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not advocating that you become a loose cannon on deck and every time you see anything wrong, you broadcast it to the whole world. I mean, you know, we have to be wise about how we do that. But at the same time, again, I go back to the senior leadership's role in this. The senior leader's default needs to be one of covering for the mistakes of a subordinate when when they are inappropriately candid if he wants to encourage openness in the organization um, if the if the senior leader's default is to slap the hand of somebody who's inappropriately candid uh, then you're going to start closing down the organization so Frank don't you agree that in many cases when you are in a team meeting there are a few people who want to be candid and then either somebody frowns at them or uh they, they are not looked at, looked upon appropriately by the fellow team members and later on they get reprimanded by the boss and then what what it does is it stifles even those people and that in turn kills the very essence of why you're having a team meeting so that everybody can bring ideas to the table Generally, uh, when you're in a meeting, there are a few people who have stronger opinions than others. Um, you know, it's a mix of personality types. It's a, it's a mix of people who have expertise on the topic. Uh, if I see people beginning to dominate a meeting, um, I might begin to ask others to contribute ideas and opinions. 
Um, people respond very quickly uh, to what the leaders in the organization do because, uh, you know, they're very, very sensitive to social hierarchy. And as you begin to draw other people out, the tone of the meeting does change. I would even interject. I never chastise people. Uh, but I, I agree with Rick totally. If you want to shut a place down, just ostracize someone uh, for, for speaking their opinion. Uh, that will shut everybody down as fast as anything. Uh, the better thing to do is at some point in the meeting where it's not directed at anybody to just state that, you know, we want to build a very candid organization. Everyone's opinions matters. I'd like to draw a few people in. Uh, and you could do that in a, in a very, um, you know, non-confrontational way and create a, a different tone at that meeting. And as individual meetings take on a new tone, then other meetings after them do. And that's how you slowly but surely begin to change the culture and and reinvigorate candor. Let's take a quick break. Let's just we'll be right back. And Rick, when we come back, uh, let's compare candor versus you, you actually mentioned in your uh, last uh, response uh, to a question that I asked where you said, if it is, if you are candid, but you are not doing so at the right place at the right time, you could put yourself in jeopardy. But then this could also introduce people trying to be over politically savvy and are over sugarcoating and doing things so that it doesn't ruffle anybody's feathers, et cetera, et cetera. And that takes the very thunder away from what you could have otherwise brought as value from being candid. So what is that balance? How do you actually define what your candor should be in an organization or in any kind of team setting when you're expressing yourself so that you don't lose your job, but that at the same time also create value for everyone involved? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. The switchboards and Rolodexes are gone, and so is the need for a hardware-heavy phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations with voice, text, conferencing, even Salesforce integration. And manage your entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that ancient phone system out of your modern office and off your bottom line. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. Wait, is that your pager? There's nostalgic, and then there's completely irrelevant, like having a hardware-heavy business phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations in minutes and manage the entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that 20th century phone system out of your 21st century business. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. 
If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Rick, the question here is that how do you uh, not be seen as super politically savvy or not overly sugarcoating anything just so that you do not create jeopardy for yourself and still remain candid? Um, Well, great question. I actually would like to turn that around a bit um, and ask, ask the question, if you don't mind, what if you are the senior leader and you have somebody on your staff who is exhibiting those traits. And and because of that, they tend uh, to raise eyebrows and cause others in the organization to wonder about how genuine the offer for openness is. Um, and, and the question is, is what does the senior leader do about that person? Um, and it, it it took me decades to figure out the answer to that question. Uh, but But where I've landed... Um, at the moment is to celebrate uh, the different strengths and personalities of my subordinates. Uh, So even though I have subordinates that that may not think quite like I do or may not even have the values quite the way I do and and may not um, on first blush have the organization's best interests at heart, more their own, um, I, I am tending to default more these days toward the end of uh, just being glad that I have that, that person on staff and that difference in perspective and that difference in approach and, and, uh, try, and try and find ways to utilize uh, that difference to actually enrich the organization. Um, I mean, a, an organization where everybody looks and acts like me is probably not uh, going to be very effective in the long run and 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 become rather boring and stayed um, so i I hope you don't mind that I turned that question around on you um, may, maybe we could pass it off to Frank I mean I think Frank might be smarter about answering the question that you ask than I am well i've uh, thank you rick i've I've found that there are uh, a number of personality types that become engaged to behave in a very, very political way. Some of it is driven by the environment. Some of it, some of it is driven by their personal experience where that has helped them succeed in organizations, especially those where candor wasn't required. Um, I like to create an environment where there's very clear governance over all the key decisions that have to be made, like technology acquisition. Uh, I would set up governance processes and committees, and we would always make it clear that those, those groups – and we tried to make them non-bureaucratic, their job was to work as a team and elicit everybody's opinion and to make sure they went around and got everybody's opinion. So uh, you tend to lessen the ability of these people to get get their way politically. Some of them will do it by being very domineering because they love to win, um, and you've got to create a culture where those domineering personalities really aren't allowed to dominate. And, in fact, you know, when people understand the rules are that that's not allowed in the organization, people will actually in those meetings when you're not there say look we run a culture where everybody's opinion matters and we've got as a team get everything on the table and you know the i always call it the corporate immune system but the corporate immune system when you get it operating very well it's actually quite powerful in terms of you know ensuring that you know people are collaborating in a sincere way with one another now, when Rick, you mentioned about you should not jeopardize by 
you know, not talking at the right place at the right time. But if a person is talking still, wherever they are, but they're not directing a particular comment at an individual, but instead on a challenge or a problem or uh, a situation that a business may be facing, and they are sharing their viewpoint, and a leader says, you will not get fired for doing so. If you're going to target your comments to an individual that that person did not do their job right, etc., in a public Yes, there is a possibility, but not when you are trying to make an attempt to tell what, in your view, could be done differently in order to have a better outcome in a business situation. Do you think that is a good uh, mantra to follow by every leader and that should be promoted, praised, you know, you, you, you reward that behavior? Well, somebody taught me a long time ago that one of the secrets to leadership was to um, – speak praise publicly and provide negative feedback privately uh, so that if I have somebody working for me who is doing something in a public setting that I'm, I'm not entirely okay with, um, I would never want to point that out in the public setting. I would always want to take that person aside uh, privately uh, and start a meeting, start one of those little counseling sessions by talking about the things that that person is doing well that I appreciate. And then uh, once they understand that I'm on their side, talk about an opportunity uh, to improve their behavior in a particular area where I can get very specific and say this might have worked better had it gone this way. Uh, and then have a discussion with them about that. Again, finish up that session emphasizing the positives of what that person is doing. Um, that's probably the way I would deal with that. But I would, I w it's really counterproductive uh, to provide any sort of hand flapping uh, to, to folks in a public setting un unless it's just way, way overboard and, and extreme. So, Frank, when I come back to you with the same question, so you're totally right, Rick, that we should not be slapping anyone in front of people. But then there is no way somebody should be ever slapped because they try to help at least provide, contribute towards uh, solving a business problem or a challenge or a situation based on that incremental input they had based on their experience working in the trenches. You have to encourage people to speak up, and I would always always thank somebody for giving their opinion, even if they happen to be in a group where maybe it wasn't desired. Now, you ultimately get down to how did they go about doing it, right? And you could do it in a very positive, uh, proactive, pro-social way, or you can try to actually burst in in a negative way, which tends to degrade the entire meeting and the relationships <clears throat> between those people. So we get down to, I believe, you know, I would more or less thank the people for speaking up and taking having the courage to say something that may be going against what what the crowd thinks uh, at the same time i might have a coaching opportunity like rick said if they went about it in the wrong way right because you could do the right thing in the wrong way and that's certainly uh, not helping the organization either so rick in your view where do you think most organizations stand in terms of their cultures of uh, in terms of being candid and vocal what do you think could be the factors which is making uh, which would make an organization or has made an organization more candid than others okay you asked a couple of different questions there um, one is where do most organizations stand i think the answer to that is all over the map i mean i see organizations across the full spectrum um, 
there there is a an illusory siren call um, that tempts some senior leaders uh, to not cultivate an open organization because you can get more done in the short term um, by not having an open, engaging organization. I, I believe you'll make better decisions in the long run and the organization will be healthier uh, by cultivating an environment of candor. Uh, but um, there are successful, high-performance organizations that are not at all open, um, where it, you know the, the the senior leader is it's my way or the highway, and everybody just turn the crank the way I've taught you to turn it in it. it you know, to be perfectly truthful, I have seen those organizations, and their their profit and revenue grow, growth goals are are uh, exemplary. Uh, so it can work. Um, I, I don't believe that it can work as well as the long run. Um, but for for a leader who wants to get in, and, and Frank, I'm, I'm very much interested in hearing you talk about this because you talk about toxic environments. I, w- I would kind of like to go back and get you to define that because I'm, I'm sitting here wondering exactly what that means, and so I'm, my guess is some of our listeners probably are too. Let me define what a toxic organization is. And there's different levels of uh, toxicity, obviously, but the most toxic organizations are one, ones where antisocial behaviors predominate versus pro-social or helping behaviors. Antisocial behaviors include threats, public embarrassment, humiliation, criticism, um, emotional aggressiveness, lots of hidden agendas, uh, intimidation, betrayal, insincerity. There's all sorts of very, very corrosive behaviors that can occur in organizations, And when the senior leadership behaves in that way and those behaviors become accepted, the organization is toxic and people are really uh, in a threatening environment. In a threatening environment, uh, the limbic system is stimulated, the threat sensor, and at that point the cognitive mind is cut off. So you can imagine that not much IT takes place because IT occurs in the neocortex. And obviously that has been cut off by this toxic behavior. And uh, toxicity is highly destructive. Those environments exist. Uh, getting back to what Rick said, you can have environments that are highly directive, not necessarily toxic, where a leader has a very good idea and he wants to pursue it, and uh, he goes after it with vigor, and he doesn't listen to other people, but he happens to be right. And he implements a strategy, and in fact, uh, you know, they become highly profitable. That will not build you a healthy organization over the long term because you're dependent on one individual. And if that individual is removed very likely that, you know, you're not going to have a culture where people could come up with the ideas necessary to really keep that place healthy and alive. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, We'll be right back. And, Frank, when we come back, we'd like to see what could you do with those people. And I'm sure there are always going to be people in your group or anybody's group, for that matter, who simply do not uh, like to be open and candid at all times. They like to keep things to themselves and sometimes even good things. So what is it that you could do, and do you think just the standard uh, tips that were offered during this show and everywhere that you see uh, on different articles that, okay, you got to reward it, you have to praise it. If that doesn't bring them out of the cocoon, what will, or should you change those people? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Wait. Is that your pager? 
There's nostalgic, and then there's completely irrelevant, like having a hardware-heavy business phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations in minutes and manage the entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that 20th century phone system out of your 21st century business. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The switchboards and Rolodexes are gone, and so is the need for a hardware-heavy phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations with voice, text, conferencing, even Salesforce integration, and manage your entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that ancient phone system out of your modern office and off your bottom line. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Frank we will always have people who may not even share a good news or, or a comment which will actually benefit someone and or uh, they would not have any disagreements. They're like totally passive. Mm-hmm. What do you do to uh, get them out of their cocoon? And there are, of course, uh, obvious strategies that you reward, praise, etc. But simply these people are not doing it and they may have their own reasons for it. Do you keep doing the diagnosis or you just change those people? Because would you rather have any passive person in your team uh, who may be not really adding value besides, of course, being worker B coming from nine to five and doing their job? You know, I, I wouldn't get rid of anybody immediately unless for real cause, right, where they did something that was completely against policy. Um, you know, my, my bias, you know, as a leader was to understand that no matter what I did and how I behaved, you know, there were a thousand people watching me. And therefore, I wanted to really work with people and give them a, a very clear chance to change a behavior um, that might be hurting the productivity of the organization. So in answer to your question specifically, it depends very much on the role of the individual. Uh, if you have a leader who really isn't, isn't getting the best out of their people um, and they want to make all the decisions or they don't want to share information with peers, that is a much more destructive problem because they've been giving a lot of control over resources in the organization, and I would see that as a coaching opportunity. I would take them in. I would work with them. I would try to explain why they've got to move from managing to leading, why they have to share, why they have to be open. 
you know, how important it is for them to set the right tone in their organization and for an individual contributor who's hanging on or clinging to information because it gives them job security. Uh, I would want their leader to really begin to coach them and work with them and begin to draw out that expertise and reward them for sharing it. Uh, if, if you cannot ultimately bring about the changes that are needed, you may very well have to help them move out of the organization. So, uh, Rick, if we were to go into an organization where you have this toxic culture, and if you were to create a playbook on how do you go about approaching it, because you're new, you could go in as a consultant or as a new leader. In either case, you do not have any political capital. You don't have any relationship capital. You don't know the nuanced uh, you know, personalities. How do you go about approaching this mega task? of, of make, bringing candor within an organization? Um, great question. And Sanjog, let me, let me adjust the question just a little bit. I know I keep doing this to you because I know that, that your CIO listeners will be very interested in this aspect. Um, we have been talking so far all about creating um, an openness in an organization where we are the senior leader. Uh, so we would be talking about openness in an IT department for CIOs. But what about the CIO who finds herself or himself um, trying to open up the other folks on the senior leadership team, trying to open up the other CXOs in the organization because they have, because of whatever reason, marginalized the CIO in the past and continue to operate that way? Um, I and and I have found a real secret to that is to get to know what the KPIs are, the key performance indicators of each of the other CXOs in the organization, and then in the context of those KPIs, um, most if not all future conversations with those people um, would would be uh, to reinforce those KPIs. In other words. One way to get the VP of sales to become a lot more open with the CIO is for the CIO to be talking about how IT can help improve the VP of sales' ability to, to reach sales quotas. Um, one thing that the CIO can do to increase openness with the COO is, is to be discussing how IT can be used to increase either production efficiencies or customer satisfaction. Again, whatever the KPI of the COO is uh, depends on the kind of company that you're in. Um, or with the CFO and in, in what ways IT can enhance the profits of the corporation. Um, and so, again, I, I believe a real secret uh, to making a CIO successful in creating more openness at the senior leadership level in the in the organization is to begin um, to conduct conversations in the context of the KPIs of each of those different senior leaders. Um, do you mind that I changed your question? No, not at all. And I'd like to get the complimentary viewpoint from Frank as well on this one. Yeah, in terms of uh, building a high-performing culture in an organization, if you're a CIO or a very senior leader coming into an organization and you do find that the organization is low-performing because of toxic behaviors, you begin by going through the credibility-building phase. I always called it stabilize. Um, and part of that is beginning to stabilize the culture. You're going to have a culture where distrust predominates. You're going to have to move from distrust to trust. 
you do that by uh, establishing what are the cultural values of the organization that you want to see embraced across the board. Candor, openness, transparency, sharing with one another, caring, um, you know, trying to create an environment where there is real collaboration and defining what that collaboration means. And then, you know, work with your leaders to begin to build that and move that through the organization. It takes time to change and transform culture because people want to actually see that this is real. Uh, they want to see that you not just talk about it, but you live it. And as you begin to live it, people begin to embrace that. And you'll go through a period where you stabilize the culture, people begin to collaborate. Uh, then you go in and you begin to optimize how people are working together. You can begin to find what is collaborative behavior. You know, why do we not want to talk about uh, other people behind their back because it destroys relationships and trust? And you can begin to find the rules that will actually drive collaboration amongst the organization. That ultimately leads to a high-performing culture. You still have to do all the things you do in IT. You've got to embrace all the right processes, procedures, Six Sigma, everything. But if you don't get the human infrastructure running great, you're always going to struggle. One last question for both uh, Rick and Frank. Uh, so start with you, Rick. If you were to take the top three things that – um, today's leader who's going to be allowing uh, to open the doors of tomorrow's organization where everything is going to be far more competitive and far more universal, distribute, distributed globally, how would you create candor in that organization? 30 the seconds. Top, the top three pieces of advice. Number one, you've got to get to the point where you genuinely care for your people more than you care for yourself. I know that's hard but that's a secret to great leadership. Number two, you've got to be willing to allow yourself uh, to be humbled. So you sort of have to choose vulnerability, um, and that requires trusting those around you with you. Um, again, leadership is not for the timid. It requires courage. Um, and, and that means that you have to be willing to take risks uh, to make sure that you're doing for your people what they need to be done to be productive. Um, so those are the those are my three top top three. Frank, I would uh, first of all I would concur uh, with what Rick said. Creating a caring environment where people know you have their back. Nothing could be more important than that. Um, you're not going to have an organization where people really feel free to contribute and perform their best unless they feel like they're in a safe environment. You know, secondarily, you've got to take the heat when things go wrong. You have to set a strategy up, and if something's not right, you've got to take the heat for it. I always saw myself as the umbrella that would take all these toxic raindrops and collect them and make sure they didn't fall on the people. Um, and there is a whole study on toxic handlers and how much that improves the productivity of people have to think for a living. And lastly, you're really going to have to really focus on building that culture and the strategy and all the things you need to do to build ultimately a great IT organization. On behalf of our show and the listeners, I'd like to really thank you, Frank and uh, Rick, for sharing your thoughts on how uh, we can work together, use the right leadership uh, techniques and mantras to build a candid organization. Thank you, Sanjab. Thank you, and uh, really appreciate uh, being on the show. Rick? Really good job. Thank you for, uh, you know, joining uh, me in some of this conversation. Yeah, same to you, Frank. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook. Search for CIO Talk Radio and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog, all your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. 
Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.